this week it's just Tyler and I uh, in a mailbag episode of, of uh, sorts uh, answering questions that we got off of uh, the two pages we're both members of. So uh, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. You got both Bourbon Boys here today. Hey Tyler, so what's up? What's going on, guys? Uh, this is going to be sort of a mailbag episode where we answer questions or just talk about general stuff from the, the group pages. Um, I got some questions from both PCS, the Project CNS page, and uh, from our homepage, Bluegrass BB&T. Yeah, our huge fan club. Uh wants to ask some questions, so we're going to answer some questions. Yeah. All right, the first question comes from Jordan Harris, which is a uh, Project CNS member. What frustrates you the most about the bourbon hobby slash environment, Tyler? Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. I guess I guess you go through it. You have, you know, different issues with certain things. You know, when you're early in on it, it's... It could be one thing, or you know, the deeper you get into it, it could be another issue. So where I'm at with things right now, um, what is most frustrating? Um, I guess just general negativity, man. I wish, um, you know, we're we're blessed to be a part of um, a shipping group where there's never any, not at least not much, you know, fighting, bickering, and, and people really, you know, trolling and whatnot one another. But God, anything with these these more uh, accessible pages, you know, the local groups or shit like, you know, Bourboner and, and uh, those, you know, uh, WBSC and stuff like that. I mean, golly, there's just so much negativity and stuff. And I just think uh, when it comes to whiskey and, and sharing whiskey and kind of sharing boards and drinking and stuff like that, it's, there should be no negativity, you know, it should just be about the whiskey and about the camaraderie and whatnot. And, you know, some of that is lost. So I would have to say that's probably, you know, just... Uh, I got enough negative shit in my life. I don't need to, when I tap into my bourbon world, I don't want to deal with that as well. That's understandable. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it would be similar things to that. Uh, trolling, people trolling people online just to get a rise out of them really gets on my nerves now. Uh, I think that's everybody's favorite pastime on a lot of these pages. Um, and the general prices of things that are going up, which will also be a discussion later, so I won't get any further into that. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that pricing. Pricing now on on some bottles are, are, are yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's only going to get worse too. But you know the you know with the Willets being at the highest that they've ever gone for, and and uh, you know stuff like little stuff like four grains coming out and going for a fortune, and just you know everything is at an absolute max right now. And I'd like like I said, I'm sure it's only going to get worse. All right, the next question's coming from Michael Najamian. Najamian uh, from uh, Project CNS, one of our uh, big supporters. He listens to every episode. Uh, we actually have a few questions from him, but we'll start off with this one. Best and worst pour. Oh, wow. Um, 
goodness. And I entered this I would one last some week, of the worst so I whiskeys I've had are some of those. And I, I know we've got a lot of Texas friends, um, but some of the worst whiskeys that just right off the top of my head that come come to me are, uh, you know, some of the Balcon Bays and uh, and just some of the Texas whiskeys I've had. Where you can't, I mean, you can't. I mean, it's it's not even a damn drain pour. I mean, just throw that fucking bottle right in the trash. Like, um, uh, I mean, I'm sure I've had some other terrible stuff. I, I don't like anything that tastes super corny and super young. So um, to go along with the the Texas whiskeys that I've had that I really don't care for, uh, if if it's it just if when you, when that corn flavor is, just, there's just nothing else there. I just oh, that's just really doesn't do it for me. You and Mama Mungle are on that same tip. Yeah, yeah. Well, she knows what she's talking. She's been drinking for 40 years. I think that's Ricky that's been drinking for 40 years. Oh, I'm sure she's been drinking that long, too. All right. Next one from Mike. I'm not going to answer that one because I did that last week on last week's episode, the newbie episode. Um, this one, also from Mike. What's... What was the best non-hyped release you bought just because that blew your mind? Well, it seems like everything's hyped now. Everything that comes out now is hyped, you know, unless it's, you know, something that's not that special, like another Abram Bowen or something like that, you know, that just sits there. But I feel like, you know, all these big releases that everybody's waiting for, they're all hyped. So, I mean, you'd have to try to find something that's, totally under the radar I, I know i know a few like several episodes back we talked a little bit about pikes bull rye and uh and so that's kind of old news but I, that was one to me that you know really never really got talked about as much as it should have um and especially at the price point um that was just one i think i even revisited it after i opened the bottle for a damn year and a year now almost maybe almost a year it's been open uh and it still tastes fucking good um and that's just one you never hear about. It's got a really nice price point. It's sitting on every shelf damn near when you go to uh, a lot of these stores. So I, I, for me, that's, that's um, I didn't really think about this question at all, to be honest with you. The first thing that popped in my head was uh, Pikesville Rye, just because of you know, how, how easily accessible it is and how little it's talked about. Okay. Um, for me, it would be some of the, the younger-aged MGP Rye's, like... Uh, uh, Ed Blay had one at uh, Cork and Bottles, Backbone Rye, uh, and then they had a Backbone Bourbon, bourbon actually, he just did, too. Um, and then the Blonde, the Blonde Brothers, which is uh, a distillery up here uh, in Illinois that actually does MVP Rye. Uh, they've done quite a few releases that are all pretty good. Um, it's all MGP, so, I mean, it's hyped, but nobody knows these people are putting it out until it comes out on the shelf. Yeah, that's a good answer because there's a lot of a lot of those a lot of those kind of popping up right now, and you know, with uh, with the market the way it is and whatnot, those, those those bottles don't you know make people's eyes pop as much. So they do go under the radar, and they can, and there can be some you know some real nice stuff in there, especially if you got somebody like Ed going up there and, and picking the barrels and you know picking you know what he thinks is the best of the lot. So yeah, those can you can definitely find some jackpots in there. All right, next one also for Mike. Uh... This will be an interesting one. So for a newbie coming in and trying a bunch of new bourbons, best way to decipher tasting notes and what to look for? Oh, golly, I think I've talked to him about this before. Um, just experience, man. That's my answer. Is that's uh, You just got to keep trying stuff. You got to find out what it is that you like 
and then go off of that. And the only way to really, you know, identify those notes, um, you know, whether it be the easy stuff like caramel or vanilla or something like that, or, you know, just when you get more into it, you know, the spices and, you know, what difference in between how something is spicy or if it's just hot or, you know, uh, it just is all about experience for me as far as that question goes. Um, the more you drink, the more you know, the more you kind of know what works for you. You know, I think uh, I think that's kind of where it falls in line. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I would say, too. I mean, it, as you drink more, like you said, the more you drink, the more you're going to develop your own tasting, your own likes and dislikes. And the better you'll be able to decipher those different flavors and those different notes. For me, it's mostly a, I really like more fruity, fruit-forward stuff. Uh, dark berries and things like that. So I, I gravitate towards that stuff. But I also like the spicy notes and a lot of things as well. So I've got, I, I'm have got i all over the board now. It used to be all fruit and that was it. But now it's uh, it's definitely changed quite a bit. You there? You drink, but then the more you get into it, you're like, man, actually, this is this isn't like nothing I've ever had before. It's spicy and it's hot, and I typically don't like stuff like this. And you know, it's just funny how your palate grows and changes and stuff like that. Yep. All right. Well, uh, this next question, there's two actually that are pretty similar, so we'll ask them sort of as a as a take. Well, we're breezing right through these questions. Let's get it. Well, the last one is going to be the one that's going to be the uh, the one that's going to have more discussion behind it. I'm sure. So this one uh, is from Andy Kennedy. I'm going to read both of them, and then we can sort of answer. Oh, Adam? Adam Kennedy? Adam Kennedy, yeah. Yeah, nice. uh, Love that guy. Strategies, strategies or thoughts on barrel picking? How not to get too drunk and still give good tasting notes, etc.? Uh, you can go ahead and start uh, with that one. Yeah, I bet you do want me to start with that one. <laughs> uh, it's tough. Uh, you know, if you go to a place like Buffalo Trace, you know, you don't have much to worry about because they're barely going to give you any whiskey to drink. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You go to a place like, um, you know, Wild Turkey where you're trying anywhere from seven to 14 barrels, if not more, if it's a good day. Um, it's tough. I mean, hell, I, I think that Wild Turkey is the only place I've ever just had to spit out whiskey, like ever in my life. But it's just like, man, I can't, I can't drink 15, you know, ounce and a half, two ounce pours. Uh, over an hour and a half hour period of time and give actual, you know, give real good critiques and really give notes and, and, and stuff like that. It's really tough to do. So you really got to kind of, you got to, well, one, it's going to vary from distiller to distiller, but you really kind of got to know what you're doing, to be honest. It can get ugly, you know, at Wild Turkey. I think it comes with time, just sort of like your tasting notes come with time. Uh, when you first start doing barrel picks, it's new. So you're like, you want to taste everything you can and try everything you can. And then the more you go on, the less you feel the need to do it every time, get, get all that into it. And the first time I went to bourbon 30, I probably had 30 barrels of bourbon tasted. And then the last time I went was with another group where I was basically running the, the bear, the picking of the barrels. And I think I probably had, you know, seven or eight, because I honed it down from other people telling me what was good, and then I took what they had and tried it. and So, yeah, I think that's another thing where you just have to sort of get into it and, and do a few, and then you sort of learn how to, to manage yourself. If it's spitting it out or just not swallowing or just taking smaller pours. 
Yeah, I definitely left out Bourbon 30 as far as a place that you can go and you think you can get real carried away as far as how much whiskey you drink. All right, this one is uh, from Ford Ray, also from PCS. What do you think leads to phenomenal the phenomenon of store picks with stickers getting huge premiums on the secondary versus store picks with non-stickers that may sit on the shelf? Hmm. What's the first part of that question, though? I heard, I heard everything, but what, what's he asking about that? What's the phenomenon behind it? Yeah, what do you think? I mean, basically, the phenomenon with store picks with stickers seem to be getting higher premium prices, uh, a la a few that, that we are uh, personally uh, joined with. I would say that the, that's just uh, a newbie thing or, or just pure ignorance. Because I remember one thing specifically, that when the Tipsy Buffalo came out and, you know, somebody threw it up on BSM and, and people were just like, why is this, why is this bottle auctioning off for so much? There were so many comments on that thread of people like, is this kind of special release? I've never seen a sticker like that. Like, because it took up the whole back label. So I think there's, you know, there were some people obviously that knew what they were doing, but there were people bidding on that and throwing money at it that were, that truly had no idea what it was. They didn't know it was just a normal, just a normal Buffalo Trace store pick with a really cool sticker. I mean, several people were like, this has got to be some kind of exclusive release from Buffalo Trace. This is unbelievable. Like, like no, it's just a fancy sticker. Uh, so I would say the, you know, obviously the veterans of, uh, or just not being a newbie, uh, you kind of know that, I mean, it's great to have a cool sticker. I'm all about a cool sticker, but that doesn't really have anything to do with the juice that's on the inside and i don't think everybody understands that i personally don't think it's a new phenomenon i think it's more showcased now with the tipsy buffalo and with the ricky bobbies and i mean in the green lantern that just came out a couple weeks ago up in northern kentucky uh and twix and twix uh so you got i don't think it's new though it's just become more prevalent because back in the day you had the bearded lady with smooth ambler that I didn't think was good at all, but people were paying or still pay hundreds still of dollars pay. for this bottle, and I think it tastes like corn liquor. I, I just didn't enjoy it at all, and I'm glad I got a sample. So I don't think it's new, but I do think people are taking more advantage of it now, and sort of not advantage as far as taking advantage of people, but just taking advantage of putting stickers on bottles. Yeah, I mean, you've gotten to a point now where people are more oftentimes than not putting a cool sticker on a bottle when as compared to maybe a year ago, it was, or two years ago, it was kind of fewer and far between. So when you saw that Beard Lady sticker on that bottle, you were like, what the fuck? And now it's just, it's becoming a little bit more uh, regular. I think it's more of a groups are buying liquor through or buying picks through stores thing now. And they want to differentiate themselves from the normal store pick that these stores get, so they throw a sticker on it, and then their their groups called out or whatever you what what have you. You get the little bit of peace of mind or a piece a piece of it getting to put the sticker of the name you want on there, and not just the store itself. All right, uh, DB Irwin from BB and T asks. I saw a long discussion about small batch versus single barrel in another group. The whole thread got it wrong, plus they threw in a barrel pick as an equivalent. I don't know where the question is, but uh, maybe we'll just skip that, because that's not really a question. I mean, obviously, single bar small batch is a, a collection of barrels mixed together to to form a, a 
a new batch. So we'll, we'll skip over that. We'll go to the main, the main uh, topic, which is what about this is from Wes Harden and BB and T. Uh, this is actually going to be a three-part question, so to speak, or we could talk on the the second two pieces. What about BS liquor stores prices? Um, and this came up in the actual uh, Bourbon Pursuit podcast when the guy from Toddy's was on. I don't know if you listened to that episode or not. I didn't, no. Uh, basically, he said he got the Kentucky Owl Rye or Kentucky Owl Bourbon in uh, the last release, and he puts his new releases on the counter and doesn't price them, and then when people come in, he'll tell them a price. He said there was three of the Kentucky Owls on the counter. The lady came in and asked how much. And it was $750 is what he told her each. Wow. So this lady bought all three. And that's not to say that that's an unheard of phenomenon or an unheard of thing to do. It seems to be more prevalent now than it ever has been. Uh, what's your opinion on those? You know, the only place I've ever seen do that is Toddy's. So I, I've, I've not really seen much of that. That seems like a, a whole new level of scumbag. Um, but yeah, I have seen Toddy. I went into, into Toddy's maybe a year ago with Andy Pritchett and, uh, we walked in and he had a, he did, he had about five or six cool bot, like, uh, one of them was a lip wax top. That was a store pick that he did. Um, and there was a bunch of other kind of rare ones that didn't have prices on them. So, you know, I'm sure Andy, I'm sure he taxed the shit out of Andy. I can't remember what he paid for it. I know I, I, I love me some Willet, but I, I remember when he said the face I was, I was not interested in, in buying it whatsoever. So. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton of knowledge or a ton of experience with, uh, you know, liquor store owners and, and stuff going that way, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely, definitely seeing Toddy's. I've been, been to Toddy's and seen the way he does uh, his business there, and it is a little bit uh, different on Orthodox for sure. Uh, I think it's more prevalent in stores that are, I see it quite a bit up here, quite a bit, I say, five or six of the 30 stores I've been in up here um, that'll do that, they'll have the bottles behind the counter, and uh, it's a double-edged sword to me, I think, because I think they could lower the price and sell it much quicker. But then you have a guy that comes in, sort of like Andy, who will come in and they'll pay whatever they ask for it. And it's just a matter of having to wait till that sells. But I, they're losing money on the back end in the secondary market when people buy the bottles and then they sell it on the secondary market. I, I, I guess it all comes down to how much you want to be looked at as an asshole when you do that and how much you don't care based on profits. Yeah, that can be a slippery slope. I'm not sure that that's one I would want to ride on. So the two sub subtopics for this uh, are two releases that are coming up. I just saw that, uh, I'm sure you saw as well, the Kentucky Owl Rye Batch 2 coming out. Yep. And so the price this month or next month. The price tag they're putting on that. Yeah, I think it's retailing around like 190 or 200. Isn't it? Yeah, it's right at 200, um, and that's going to be for a lower proof uh, version of what Kentucky Owl first one was. Are they still with the 11 year uh, age statement, or is it? I don't know that they've released that. I haven't seen that yet. But even if it is 11 years at 200 dollars, it's a blended whiskey. It's not a single barrel. Um, so what? What's your thoughts on that? Man, you know, I, I can't, I don't know what, um, what their strategy is with that. I don't know, um, 
you know, what's going on behind it. I haven't seen a whole bunch of details. They haven't released a whole, at least what I have seen. I haven't seen a whole bunch of um, information released on it. I, I have to say that there'd be a good reason for it. I mean, you got to think about the way that Kentucky Owl uh, ride, the first one kind of, I'm not going to say it sat around, but it certainly didn't fly off shelves and sell out like a lot of the other Kentucky Owl products or a lot of, or like a lot of the other products that are coming out right now that have, have that big name and they're selling out and everyone's talking about it. So I'm hoping that there has to be some kind of rhyme to their reason as far as why why that price point would be so high, especially since you said now you're talking about a lower proof. So, you know, that means, you know, a little bit more watered down and and they're going to have more of a, a, a bigger yield on it, which I didn't know how that was possible because it had a gigantic yield on their first uh, batch. So uh, I don't know if it's going to pop up with some kind of 13-year age statement on it or something like that, but... Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure there's there has to be a reason for it unless they're just gouging the market. I have no idea. To me, I, I'm, I guess they have some sort of research they've done, but it feels like they're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Because they had that first release come out for 129, and they sat there. I mean, people went and got them if you were a premium bourbon drinker. You went and bought them, but they were to drink. I mean. We're, there wasn't a ton of flipping. Now it seems like they're going up a little bit, or at least people are asking more for them. Uh, but I just don't understand the the reasoning behind that when they were already sitting on the shelf at 129. I mean, I just saw one a month ago, almost a year after the release, or whatever the last time the release was, uh, sitting on the shelf in an outskirts here in uh, Wisconsin. And I, I just don't understand how they think they're going to get $200 out of a bottle of that when they weren't getting 129 I mean, people were hemming and hauling over. I bought one, but I, there's no way in hell I would buy a $200 bottle of rye whiskey. Didn't, didn't somebody from uh, BB&T get to try Kentucky Owl Rye 2 that we know? Was it Jeremy Kendrick, maybe? Uh, yeah, he went to some Kentucky Owl uh, tasting thing. I wonder. I don't, he never posted what he thought of it. So, I mean, that would be that would be nice to know. Maybe he had to sign a uh, no-disclose uh, clause or something. He wasn't allowed to discuss it. Yeah, I don't, yeah that is weird that he never, I never, I saw, like, a picture of him going and, and, you know, to, like, a dinner and trying it, but I never heard, like, you know, anybody talk about how good it was or just any information on it. And then the, the second part of that, the B to this whole thing of prices going up, so to speak, is the Brown Foreman President Select? Have you seen that? Yeah, so that yesterday uh, I heard about it, but then saw it um, like in a picture. So I actually got to visually see the bottle. Um, yeah, I think they released it. Was it yesterday they released it at the distillery? Did they actually release it yesterday? I knew it was coming. Yeah, soon. at the distillery, I think they released it yesterday, along with they put some more of the 2017 um, birthday bourbons out too. Nice. That's actually good. See, to me, I think Brown Foreman. And it's quote-unquote a single barrel that has 200 and something yield because they put it in these giant vats together or put it in giant barrels. Um, but it's also $200. And I never thought I'd see the day that a brown former product would cost $200. Yeah, that's another one just like that batch 2 rye. I wish I had more information on it because there has to be... I don't even know if it has an age statement on it or anything like that. I don't know. It is a, um, I think it's 11-year bourbon. Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, I mean, hell, even their birthday bourbon, you know, retails for like eighty bucks. So I mean, that's you know, I mean for two hundred on this presidential. Maybe it's super. Maybe the, maybe it's um, maybe the bottle count isn't real high. You know, maybe 
Well, I think they did multiple I think they did multiple barrels, but they put them in the huge barrels. So I don't know how the aging changes when you put them in those giant barrels. I don't know how it's all going to shake down, but $200 for a bottle of Brown Foreman whiskey is insane to me. Insane. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've never been a Woodford guy. Not a, not a huge Old Forester guy. I'm not a huge Brown Foreman guy. So I had a pour of 2018 birthday bourbon. By the way, I'm at Antioch Liquors today. They're having a tasting and an OWA. Uh, oh, yeah, release. you left that part out. Live from Antioch Liquors. Yes, and... Uh, the Antioch release of OWA today was is phenomenal if you get a chance to get one. Uh, and I had a I actually had a pour of, of Birthday Bourbon 2018 or whatever the last one was. I guess 2018. And I thought it no, was that, pretty I don't damn think good. No, 2018 yet, so it'd be last year's. Okay, so 2017. Yeah. Uh, whatever the last one was, the purple purple uh, uh -huh. strip. I thought it was pretty damn good, and I didn't. I have been off and on with them i've liked a couple of them and hated a couple of them so i thought it was good but still i mean that's a price point that's tough to swallow for brown form and liquor anyway at eighty dollars I, I can jump on board at 80 bucks uh but i think you are right about the, the years varying i mean i think one of the most talked about years is 2013 and i had that just recently and thought it was horrible i mean it was extremely bad i don't know if that bottle was maybe has been open since 2013 or something like that and it's just not oxidized well um but that it was terrible and that's like the most expensive most popular one but i mean i've had the 2016 that was pretty good the 2017 was pretty good i can jump on board for the the 80 dollar price point but um but yeah there's a lot of variances in those years and, and kind of how they turn out so there's a little bit of a gamble there and uh, for, for one last thing, I actually saw a discussion or a, a poll that was put up up here in, spe in the Speakeasy Wisconsin page, which is the Wisconsin, sort of like the non-sales page of BBT, where it's all locals uh, talking about Information and stuff. stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, they had a poll up of what is your max range of price you'll pay for a bourbon. Um, and it ranged anywhere from, I think, the lowest was fifty to sixty dollars, then the highest was like two hundred or something. Or no, the highest was five hundred. I can't remember. It was something insane where I saw it, it was like these people are fucking nuts. Uh, so I, obviously mine now. I answer first. When I first started, my range was fifty bucks. If I went over fifty dollars, I was insanely pissed. I was just, I was splitting bottles of whiskey with Jonathan Cleefit at fifty dollars. Now right. $50 is a drop in the bucket. It's pretty much normal. Uh, but my max is around 150 probably is the max I paid, and that's been for uh, Smooth Ambler releases mostly. Yeah, we've done that together before quite quite the time. Uh, I think for me it's a little bit different, uh, especially with the way that I make money and how it works for me. So sometimes I have some, uh, enough money where I can just be stupid with what bourbon I buy. And then there's other times where I'm just not buying any bourbon, whether I want that bourbon or not. So for me, it's there's really not a cap on what I'll spend. Um, to be honest with you, I would probably buy the $500 bottle if it was worth it and drink it. But then again, if it's not the, the right time of the year for me and, and, and funds aren't good, and I'm not even going to be able to buy that OWA store pick that I want, you know, it's kind of kind of fluctuates with me as far as that goes. And they had these OWA store picks priced at 25 bucks today. That's insane, especially for a good one, too. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, well, we'll go ahead and close it here because we got a little over 30 minutes of material. So it was good talking to you. It's been a while. 
Absolutely, man. It's been a while since we've uh, we just went uh, you and I together. Yeah, so long. Started. We've been getting so lucky with some of these guests that we've had that uh, we haven't had a chance to just go back and forth. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later, man. Absolutely, man. Take care. Peace.